casket and your friends and family are mourning you, what would you like to hear them say about you? Interesting question. Interesting question. If I, I was thinking about this today, driving here in the car, thinking, I wonder what responses I would get if I contacted, say, 10 of my closest friends and said, do a eulogy for me now and send it to me. I want to know what you think about me and my life. And it would be an interesting, uh, interesting experiment to do, to get a bit of a check of who I am now as opposed to when I'm gone and there's nothing I can do about it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> they were asked the question, when you're in your casket and your friends and family are mourning you, what would you like to hear them say? First guy says, I'd like them to say that I was a great doctor and a very loving and committed family man. Now the two nodded, that's a, that's a great, great thought. Second guy says, I'd like them to say that I was a caring husband and a school teacher who made a huge difference to kids. It's not bad, that's pretty impressive. I'd, I'd be happy with that one too. They turned to the last guy and they said, what would you like to hear them say? And he thought about it and said, well, I'd like them to say, everyone, look, he's moving. <laughs> thought that's an even better response. That's an even better response. I've been to a few funerals uh, recently. I've, I've, we've had a spate of people that we've known that have passed on <coughs> from this life. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to the funeral of a person who was expecting to die? They're expecting to die. Maybe they've been suffering from something for a long time, a sickness or something. Um, people you'd watched, friends and family had watched as their bodies slowly disintegrated before their eyes. By the time they passed, everybody was kind of glad to see them gone because it was an end to their suffering. You remember the moment that the timer began to tick and their life began to run out. So you were as prepared as you possibly could be for that ending. Anyone ever been to a funeral like that? And we know it's coming and we're saddened by it, but there's plenty of warning, there's plenty of notice and, and we know it's coming. And by the end, you're glad to see that person not suffering. I went to a, a funeral of a, a, a friend of mine in Ballina a few weeks ago and uh, he was well known in the community. He did a lot of charitable stuff and worked with Meals on Wheels and was well known in the Ballina Rugby Club and Ballina Touch Association. He was the oldest touch football player in New South Wales. Um, I'm the president of Ballina Touch Association down there and Papa was still playing in his 80s still running around in his 80s, uh, competitive touch football. He would go down when the golden oldies would play rugby and he, he didn't like to put on the shorts that signified you're old and they can't tackle you, uh, but he eventually had to. Uh, but he got sick. He contracted a sickness and as time went on, he got more and more frail and we'd see him less and less socially because of the pain racked in his body. Uh, and eventually we got the news that he'd passed away. We just had a little bit of a shindig at the touch club where we got a few of his teammates together and did a little thing for him. I think it was probably a, only a week or two after that that he passed on. We went to the funeral. And it was a beautiful funeral. But uh, everybody there was glad for the life that he'd lived, but they were glad that he was no longer in pain and suffering as well. Have you ever been to the funeral of a person whose life ended suddenly? There was no expectation. You didn't see it coming. Maybe the funeral of a child. Uh, maybe the funeral of a loved one or a friend who was fit and healthy and everything was, was good and there were no signs, no indications that life was about to be taken away. <clears throat> On Thursday, I went to a funeral uh, along those lines of a, a, a guy that uh, was a member of Seacoast Church down in Ballina. And uh, he uh, was, was in his early 60s. And he packed up with his wife and gone over to the States to visit his son who was a tour guide, tour operator over in, in Canada, I think it might have been. And uh, while he was over there, uh, he, was, he, was, he was 62, 63 years of age, fit, healthy man. 
And while he was over there visiting his son and his, his, his daughter-in-law and grandchild, went to bed one night and 2.30 in the morning a couple of weeks ago had a massive heart attack and died. And nobody saw it coming. He was fit, he was healthy, he was in, in uh, uh, you know, faithfully served in his church, served in his community, had a great love for God, a great heart for God, a great heart for people. Uh, but his life was taken in a moment at 2.30 in the morning in a foreign country. Moments like these are a real reminder to us that although we have a responsibility to make wise choices, and I talk about this a lot here uh, at Arise, we have a responsibility to live our life and to make right choices, to make wise choices. We can't just sit back and pray and say, God, you make everything happen for me in life. God expects us to be fruitful. God expects us to make right choices. God expects us to make wise decisions. God expects us to think about life and what he's given to us. And we've been sharing uh, on, on Matthew 25 and 26, and if you read those, those chapters there, uh, 24, 25, 26, around there, Jesus is talking about how we should live our life between his first coming and his second. So we've been looking at these issues of responsibility and looking at the issues of opportunity. When God gives us opportunity, we need to take those opportunities. We need to live uh, uh, wisely and we need to pounce on those opportunities and, and make the most of the time that we have been given here. So I'm a massive believer that we need to take responsibility for our lives. I don't blame anybody else for where I'm at in life right now. Ultimately, I'll take responsibility for it because I have to make choices. And even though some things may have happened to me that I didn't instigate and didn't want, I still have the opportunity to respond to those things. And my response will help shape my world, who I am, how I view life, how I treat others and so on. So I'm very big on responsibility and I'm very big on the fact that God has given you a life. Take ownership of it. Make right choices. Choose life, the Bible says. Life is a choice. It's a choice that you make. But we have responsibility to make wise choices, to do right things, to look to the future, to plan, have vision and purpose about our life. But when you go to funerals like that, you're reminded of the stark reality that we don't have as much control as we would like to think we do over our lives. We have a lot of control, but ultimately at the end of the day, we don't have as much control as perhaps we think we do as we go through our lives. We neglect the, 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 the reality that our life is frail. We neglect the reality that what we have today, we may not have tomorrow. And if we could just get that reality on the inside of us, I wonder how different we would live our lives. I wonder how different we would be as we presented ourselves to God, as we presented ourselves to the world around us. There are two things, two areas of your life that God maintains ultimate control over. Number one is God determined when you came here. God determined when you were born. You had no say in that. The circumstances surrounding your birth, the timing, you had no say in that. God determined your birth. God determined the time that you arrived here. You had no say in that. That was purely God's work. Now, if God determines the time that you arrive here, then I guess that leads me to the logical conclusion that I'm here at this time for a reason. I'm alive now in this country, in this nation, in this place, at this particular time for a purpose and for a reason. God brought me into the world during a particular season for a purpose. And each of us need to live like that. We're brought into this world for a reason. We're not just here by flippant chance. God ordained the day of your birth. He brought you here for a purpose and for a reason. And the second area of our life that God maintains ultimate control over is the day of your departure. The day that we leave this earth, that tells me this, 
that one day I won't be here. I might be here now, but there's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no guarantee how much more time I have. I can make my plans, I can think about my future, I can, I can do whatever it is that I want and it's right that I do that and I need to live my life like that. But I also need to live with the understanding that while I didn't determine when I came into this world, I have no control over when I'm going to go either. I know that people get to a place in their life where they take that control into their own hands and they do things because they can't cope with the stress or the pressure. Um, not too long back, my own brother-in-law, my wife's brother, took his own life because of the pressure and the stuff that was going on and stuff that he couldn't reconcile and couldn't manage, couldn't handle and couldn't deal with. But that's not the normal course of existence. Normal course of existence is not that we would take that into our own hands. That is a decision that should be left to God. And I'm not getting into a euthanasia debate, all that stuff. Don't hear what I'm saying. Let's just hear what I'm presenting to you. And that is this, that you have no control over the day you come and you have no control over the day that you leave. James chapter 4 Verse 13, 15 says this. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Your life is like a vapour. It's here right now, and then it's gone. Which direction it blows away, how, this, how it's taken, God is the ultimate one that has control over that. If I could get that reality on the inside of me, it would change the way I lived my life. You know, most of us feel like we're bulletproof. We live life like we're bulletproof. Like nothing can hurt us, nothing can harm us. We live as if we've got the rest of our life to get our affairs in order as if we've got the rest of our days to, to, to take our time with the things of God, to take our time with making relationships right, take our time with, with, with making right choices, with getting our, our eating habits in order perhaps, with, with exercising and getting our body in a good condition. We live as if we have all the time in the world. But the reality of the fact is you don't know that. You don't know that. I don't know that. None of us knows in the same way that you had no control over the day you came, you'll have no control over the day that you go. It creeps up on us. And what James is saying here is he's not saying don't make plans. He's not saying don't think about the future. Don't, he didn't say don't say I'm, tomorrow I'm going to do this and go there and, and have this business and get married. He's not saying don't do that. But here's what he says. He says this is what you should say. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and do that. He's not saying don't plan to do this and that, but he's saying acknowledge in the midst of that the existence and the presence of God. Acknowledge in the midst of that that, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make these plans, but every plan that I make, acknowledge God in the midst of that plan. Acknowledge the presence and the reality of God in the midst of your life, in the midst of your daily existence, in the midst of the things that you do. And if you knew, if you knew and fully understood and we had a revelation of the fact that we could be taken at any moment like that, it would definitely change the way we approached every moment. I know for me, I would be much more keen to have God in the midst of everything I was doing if I knew that at any moment he could snatch me out of this world. At any moment he can take me. If I knew 
that my moment was coming. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks, that when we know somebody is arriving, when we know somebody is coming, it changes how we act, it changes how we live. When I know a guest is coming to my house for dinner, there's a whole flurry of activity that takes place before you get there. When you walk in and you see how beautiful it is and the children are all bathed and sitting there politely saying, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. When you see that beautiful feast on the table, when you see everything lined up, the plants are straight, when you see no dust on the cupboards, when you walk in, you go, wow, gee, you guys are fantastic. You live, no, we knew you were coming. And because we knew you were coming, there was a flurry of activity. Because we knew you were coming, we acted a certain way and it changed the things that we would normally do. Normally, we wouldn't care if the plant wasn't straight. Normally, we wouldn't care. Now, just make brevels for dinner. I'm not going to do that when a guest comes around. You walk in my house and I go, yeah, just go make some cheese brevels. As if. Who does that? We go to the extreme and we make things happen. Because we know you're coming. We know that you're arriving. We know that you're coming. So it changes the way we live. And so it should, with a conscious awareness... That God is coming. One day, I'm going to pass from here and I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to stand before God, strip bare of everything. And I'm going to stand before him face to face. And he's going to look me in the eye. And I'm going to look him in the eye. And the world as I know it will change. If I am aware of that and I know that that can happen any moment because it's out of my control and it is, if I got a revelation of that, how different would I live every moment? How different would I be when I opened up my eyes in the morning? Instead of being too tired or too disinterested to perhaps pray, invite God into my day, do you think I might be a little more motivated if I thought he was going to come that day? If I thought he was going to take me away at lunchtime? I'd probably be a little more interested in picking up my Bible and reading. If I knew he was going to come and take me today, I'd probably go, well, you know what? I've always had this idea to do this great thing over here and to be a blessing to people and so on and to tell my family that I love them and to get involved in, in, in feeding the poor or get involved in, in high school chaplaincy and reaching out to kids or getting involved in this or doing... If I knew he was going to come, I wouldn't want to get there and look back. It's too late then to say, well, I, I really wanted to and I should have and I wish. It's over. I don't get another shot at it. And when you go to a funeral and you see somebody who has just passed from this life. You see, we don't think about our own mortality until we're confronted with the issue of death. Until we're confronted with it. How many people, we don't even think about our own health until we go to a doctor and the doctor says, hey, you've got this problem. You know, my father, he, he, uh, and I love my dad, he, 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 he drank alcohol and he smoked and so on. He had a heart attack. He had a heart attack and I remember him, uh, I didn't find out about it until afterwards and we had to take him up to a hospital and I was living in Brisbane at the time and I picked him up from the train station and drove him to the hospital and so on. You know what? For years and years and years, he could not quit smoking. Could not do it, found it too hard. You know, the day he came out from under the knife and they, they unplugged an artery or whatever it is they did, he has not touched another cigarette. Isn't that amazing how we can change when we're confronted with our own mortality? We can change. We can make the hardest of decisions when we're confronted with our own mortality. And this is what James is saying here. He's saying, today or tomorrow, we make these plans, we'll go to a city, we'll do this. He's saying, there's nothing wrong with that. You've got to live your life. You've got to make plans. But here's what you do. You've got to acknowledge if, it's, if God wills, we'll do this and we'll do that. Live every day with an acknowledgement that I'm only going to do this if it's okay with him. If he gives me today, then I'll achieve this. If he doesn't give me today, then I won't do this. 
I won't achieve this. I won't be able to go to this place. It's just living with that acknowledgement every day that God is with us. That God is with us. We live every day with an acknowledgement of the world around us. We know it's there. Yesterday, I lived with an incredible awareness of a sun in the sky in 32 degrees. So I put a singlet on and shorts, pair of thongs, went to the beach at Byron Bay, saw a shark fin and didn't go in the water. That was a waste of time, wasn't it? We're still good. We got to go out and we had a nice lunch with, uh, with the eldest son and daughter and me and Jackie. And, and, and we still, you know. But the thing is, we live with an incredible awareness of the world around us. We know what's going on. We live with an incredible awareness of what's popular right now. LOL. BFF. You know, all the trendy things that kids write. And we live with an incredible awareness of, 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 of what's popular now with music or an incredible awareness of what's going on in America with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. We live with an incredible awareness of, of what you've got to do Monday morning when you get out of bed and go to work to earn your living. We live with an incredible awareness of how our wife or our husband are feeling at the time or how our children are coping with school. We live with an awareness of so many things in this natural world, but we need to live with just as much of an awareness of the fact that the living God is walking with you every day of your life. Every day of your life, God is with you. The Bible says the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. Do you live with that awareness every day? Do we acknowledge God in the midst of our daily routines and the things that we do? Do we live with that understanding that we only have this opportunity because God himself gave it to you? God himself gave you this life. God himself gave you the opportunity to make a life for yourself. God himself gave you the ability, the talent, the skills to acquire wealth. God gave you the ability to have relationships. God gave that to you. God gave it to you. But in the same way, it can be taken away at any moment. And if we knew that, if we lived with that understanding, my question is how different would you live your life? And how different would I live my life? Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know what? We live every day with a conscious awareness of our own understanding. Every day. Every time something happens, every time I face a situation, my first response is to rationalise it out. How should I handle this? What should I do in this situation? And there's nothing wrong with that. God's given you a brain for a reason. Use it. Some Christians are on the other extreme, and I wonder whether it's there. They just all... You ever heard the saying, you're so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly use? Anyone ever heard that saying? So spiritually minded, but you're just no practical use down here. You're that spiritually minded. God should just take you now because you're not helping anyone down here. But you know what the problem is? A lot of us are the other extreme. We're so worldly minded, we're of no heavenly use. It's all about this natural world. It's all here. Without any acknowledgement or awareness, there's a, a spiritual dimension. There's a spiritual world going on around us. There's a God, a God who's real, who's here right now, in this room, with you, in your car when you drive home, in your kitchen when you're making lunch and you cut your finger cutting out the chicken and you let that word out he doesn't run away there we saw it it's okay living with that awareness of God trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding watch this in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths 
Which ways do you think he's talking about? Parenting, maybe? Maybe in all your parenting? I wonder what the word ways means in the, in the ancient Hebrew. Maybe it means in all your financial matters, acknowledge him. The rest of it, don't worry about it. Lean on your own understanding. But when it comes to money, you better trust. You know. Maybe he's saying when it comes to relationships, in all your relationships, acknowledge him. Has anyone got a better interpretation of the word all your ways? Or, hang on, now that I think about it, maybe it literally means all your ways. Just pennies dropping as I'm speaking. Maybe what he means is in all your ways, acknowledge God in everything that you do. A little bit like James is saying, don't just say I'm going to do, 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 do. Acknowledge God in the midst of that. Bring God into that world. Bring God into that process. Bring God into that thought pattern. Bring God into those decisions. Bring God into that. How many of us, how many of us have even contemplated with your life right now, asking God the question, God, am I where I'm meant to be? Or if we just worked our way through life and got to a place and we just, well, this is just the logical conclusion as, it doesn't mean God will say you're not, but how many of us have consciously brought God into that process and gone, well, Lord, what did you put me here for? If you determined the time that I was brought into this world and you're going to determine the time I'm taken out, then there's a particular season that you put me here for. If you put me here for a particular season, what's the reason? Am I in that reason or am I so far leaning on my own understanding that I'm miles away from that reason? And I'm so caught up in this natural world that I don't really even care. I don't really even care anymore because I'm so caught up in living on, by my own understanding and just don't have time anymore, God, to acknowledge you in the midst of the process. And I'm so far over here. Maybe I'm totally missing the reason, the purpose. If he determined my timing to be here and he determines when I'm going to go, there's a reason why you were not born in Indonesia in 1840. And it's not because you don't like rice. You probably would if you were born there then. There's a reason why right now you're not two-year-old living in Alaska. There's a reason. If God's determined the time you come, the time you arrive at that departure lounge, if God's determined that, there's a reason for that. If we fail to acknowledge God in the midst of our existence, in the midst of our planning and our scheming, guess what? We can be in danger of missing that. We can get through life and we can have a nice car and we can have a big house and a fat, fat bank account. And go on holidays overseas every year. And we can have the best clothing and all this stuff. But if we get there to the end and it gets taken away from us, we go, well, hang on a second, God, I'm, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Maybe I was waiting for retirement before I would get serious about doing something for you, but the rest of it's all me. Or maybe young kids, maybe young guys are going, well, I'll just wait till I've had my fun. You know, I was talking to a young guy recently. And in conversation, he alluded to the fact to me that, you know what, um, when I get older, then I'll get serious about God. I mean, yeah, God's there, but, you know, I'll, just, I'll get serious about God when I get a bit older. I mean, I'm only young. And so while I'm young, I'll just do my thing. But when I get older, how do you know you're going to get older? How do you know you're going to get that time? How do you know you're going to get that chance? Here's the answer. You don't. So don't wait till later in life to start to acknowledge God in the midst of your world. We need to learn to acknowledge God right now. 
and acknowledge God's hand in our life. Acknowledge God's presence. Acknowledge God's desire to be involved in your world. That Greek word there, acknowledge, the Hebrew word, sorry, acknowledge, where it says, in all your ways acknowledge him. It's a Hebrew word, yada, and it literally means this. It means have direct, intimate contact. It means in all your ways have direct, intimate contact with God. And if you, in all your ways, have direct, intimate contact with God, here's his promise. He says, I'll direct your paths. But if you don't want to have direct, intimate contact with God in your life, and you don't want to do that, then you will spend your whole life leaning on your own understanding and building a world over here that might look great. It might look fantastic. But is it the one that God puts you here for? Is it the one that God birthed you in Australia or wherever it was and got you to this day, this time, this age with the skill set you have, the personality you have, the gifts and talents that you have? Is it the life that he puts you here to have? Or is it a substitute for the best? Good's, good's great. It's good to have good. It's good to have great, but, but I want the best. I want the best. I want to have everything that God put me here for because I've only got X amount of years and I don't know when X amount of years runs out. Now imagine sitting around on your birthday. And I don't know how you do this, but on, on birthdays in our family, we, we play this little game where we hide the presents. And the kids get up and, and it starts off with, okay, you're cold. And the kids walk around cold, got freezing, freezing, ah, getting warm, getting, oh, getting hot, getting, oh, you're burning, you're on fire. And they find the gift. They open up that gift. And they look at that gift and they see the little card from mum and dad. And then they just chuck it down and they, wait, when the next gift? What's the next gift? Come on, where's the next gift? How rude would we think our children were if they did that? How rude would we think they were if they didn't go, from mum and dad? Thank you, mum and dad. I appreciate those shorts. Might not be the coolest colours, but I appreciate them anyway. Thank you. And then move on to the next one. Imagine if we didn't acknowledge the giver of the present. Imagine sitting around at Christmas. We've all done this with family. And grandma gives you a gift or something. Imagine if you opened it up, you looked at it, you saw who it was from, you got the present, but then you threw it down and you're just sitting there waiting for the next one. Just give me another one. Without ever acknowledging the person that gave you that. We would think you were rude. We would think that was terrible. Yet how often do we do that with our own lives? We fail to thank God. For each day, we fail to acknowledge him and the gifts that he gives us and the things that come into our world. We just move on and we just go, we just go with it. And we just go with it. Christy, want to come back up? Now, I went to a funeral, I told you, on Thursday of a man. He was a God-fearing man. He was a wonderful man. He was a great guy. And, And some of you in this room probably knew him. Did a lot of great things. And at 2.30 in the morning, was taken away. I was at the funeral and his wife was there and his kids had flown in from overseas and so on. And There were many great words said about that man. Nobody said, however, at that funeral that he was a great guy, and he's, but he knew that at 2.30, he knew when he went to bed that night he wasn't going to wake up. He knew that. Nobody said that. Matter of fact, I've never been to a funeral where I've ever heard anybody get up and say they knew that they wouldn't have tomorrow. They knew that today was the last day that they would have here on planet Earth. 
They knew that they would have a lot of time to get their affairs in order. They knew, as a matter of fact, one of the things I was chatting to his wife about was she was telling me how difficult it was with the, the insurance companies and trying to get the body back and all the things that go on with that because she didn't know what cards she paid for things on and they wanted to know what credit cards were used and what times and this. And, and she just had no idea because he planned everything and organised it all. He didn't know. He didn't know that the time was coming. If he did, I've got no doubt she would have had all the information she needed to make this process easy, but she didn't have it. Because he didn't know. He didn't know. None of us know the time that we have left here. None of us know that time. Matthew 10.32, Jesus said these words. He said, therefore, whoever confesses, that word confesses, it literally means acknowledge it. And you'll find in other translations of the Bible, it's, it's, it's termed, whoever acknowledges me before men, him I will also acknowledge or confess before my Father who is in heaven. He who fails to acknowledge me doesn't confess me. I won't confess him before my Father in heaven. He was a man that acknowledged God before men. When I went to the funeral, that's what you kept hearing. This guy was a God-fearer. He acknowledged God. Not only, not only confessed with his mouth, but his life. His every day he lived as if God was real. Every day he lived as if God was alive. Every day he lived as if his Christianity was more than just some nice philosophy or way to live life. But he dared to live his life as if God was actually real. He dared to acknowledge God in the midst of his world. He dared to acknowledge the reality of God in everything that he did. And I'll tell you what happened at 2.30 on Thursday morning. Because he acknowledged God before men. When he got up there, I guarantee you Jesus would have acknowledged him before the Father. What a beautiful thought. Father, this is the guy I've been telling you about. Here he is. You should see what this guy has done. Every day. He, he, he included me in his world. He, he, he would pray. He would ask my opinion on stuff. He would listen to me. He, he would get into the Word of God and find out what, what, what I thought about things and how you should live your life. While he was down there on earth, he was doing this. He, he saw poor people and he cared for them. And he was helping them. He, he'd give you the shirt off his back. He would mourn with people who were mourning. He rejoiced with those who were rejoicing. He, he gave cups of cold water to the thirsty people. That's what he would do. Nothing was ever too much for him. As a matter of fact, I, I, Father, whenever I'd look at him, I just, I just got flashbacks of myself. He just looked like me down there. Anyway, I've told you about him, but here he is. Harry, that's my dad. Dad, this is Harry. He's sitting up there now, and who knows what he's done. It's a challenge to those of us that are here. Let me ask you a question. Firstly, if you were to pass today, if you were to go right now, if you were to drive out that door, you can control the car you're driving, you can't control the other 500 that are going to pass you on the way home. Life is a fragile thing. We don't always have as much control as we think we do. If you were to go, if your time was up today, would you be confident that you have acknowledged Jesus before men. 
Would you be confident that he would acknowledge you before the Father? Or are you not sure? Are you not sure? God wants us to be sure. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, confirms in our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. We can have a peace and we can have an assurance of that. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of God, we can come into relationship with Him. Not because of what we're doing, but because of what He's done and our acknowledgement of that. Make that decision. That because you died for me, I'm going to live for you. And living for God means acknowledging Him in our life. It means making that decision. If I'm here for a reason, I'm here for a purpose, I'm here right now. God, there's a reason. And maybe that reason is to do exactly what you were doing. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe you're doing exactly what you're meant to be doing. But maybe you're not. The challenge is, have we acknowledged God in the midst of that? Are we saying, God, every day, here I am, Lord. Here I am, God. Direct my path today. And God, if I have lent on my own understanding and I'm way over here, then God, I'm open for you to speak to me. I'm open for you to show me. If I'm way off path because I've lived this whole thing based on my own understanding and I have not acknowledged you, God, if I'm then speak to me because I want to, it's never too late. It's never too late to get back on the right track. It's never too late to start acknowledging God every day of your life. And for the young guys, it's never too early. It's never too early. Because neither of us know how many more opportunities God's going to give to us. I'm just going to pray for us this morning and then uh, there's some more cake and stuff up the back there, more coffee and tea. But I want to open up the front this morning too and pray for people. I'm a big believer, big believer that, that, that God through his Holy Spirit wants to do things in our life. If our God's alive, and I believe he is, then he's not sitting up in heaven with his arms behind his back doing nothing. Read the book of Acts if you think that. And try to find a use by date because it's not there. God's alive. And I want to pray for people this morning. Maybe, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure that you're right with God. If you were to walk out of here and something was to happen, you're not convinced that your heart's right before the Lord. I want to pray with you. Pray for God's assurance upon your life. Or maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never consciously gone, you know what, Jesus, you died on that cross for me. It's been a theory. It's been a religious thought. But maybe you've never made that decision. And that connection and gone, hang on a second. I need to respond to this like Pat said. It's not enough that he's done that. Every human being has to respond to that. We either accept it as being for ourselves, lay our lives down at the cross and go, Jesus, have my life, take my life, use me. Guide me, direct me, lead me, live through me. Or we reject it and go on and do our own thing. I want to pray for those people this morning if that's you. Maybe you're here and maybe you're feeling a little stirred up. I know God's been stirring me up and I've been talking to Jackie about this, that we're so aware of the natural world in which we live in. But as a church, we've got to acknowledge the spiritual world as well. We've got to acknowledge that supernatural aspect of God that's real. That part of God that's outside the realm of our own understanding, where the Holy Spirit lives, where he does his stuff, where he moves. It's not weird, it's not freaky, it's not flaky. I know we get turned off that kind of stuff because, you know, people push people over and people do all kinds of weird things. We're not weird people here. I want the reality of God. and We all do. We want the reality of God. And if God's real and alive, he's big enough to show you. He's big enough to touch you. He's big enough to answer your prayers. Big enough to open your eyes and reveal himself to you. So I want to pray for some of those people here this morning as well. So I'm just going to pray now. We finish praying. If you need to leave, that's fine. You want to have some cake in that? That's fine. Go for it. Uh, just be, uh, please be aware if anybody wants prayer, just respect that moment for them up front here. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for today. I want to thank you for your word, God. And Father, I want to, uh, Lord, acknowledge that I only have today because you've allowed me to have it. 
But God, I, I really don't know how many more Sundays I have. I don't know how many more weeks, months, years I have left, God. But I am aware of what you want me to do with that time. You want me to acknowledge it. You want me to live for you. And I want to make that choice this morning, God. And I pray for each person here in this room. God, as we get up and we leave church this morning, that we wouldn't just go and go, gee, that was a good message or that was a rubbish message or, or I hated that or I liked this or, or, or just completely ignore it and get on with life. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would remind us as we go through this week that every moment we have is a gift, it's an opportunity that you're giving us to glorify you and to live for you. Remind us, God, of the frailty of life, not to scare us about death, but to excite us about the life we have right now and the moments we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a fantastic week. Uh, we're going to hang around up front here. And uh, if anybody would like prayer, I'd love, love to pray with you. If, you. if you feel God speaking to you, please let me encourage you. Don't just get up and walk away. When God speaks to us, when God calls us to respond, we need to respond to him because you don't know what he wants to do. You read your Bible, God waits for man to respond and he responds in response to that. Bless you guys. Have a great week.